in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the one who listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris and Paul. I sure am ready for another exciting episode of Coast to Coast PM. I am as well, Chris. Today, we're going to be talking about George Norrie's interview with Patricia Corey, who is here to teach us all about the Syrian High Council merging with fourth dimensional reality and why CERN is really evil. Paul, is it okay if I call her Pat? I would love if you called her Pat. All right. So Pat's going to tell us about what again? The Syrian High Council merging with fourth dimensional reality and CERN. Oh my God. Now we've heard about the Syrian High Council. Apparently everyone's talking to the Syrians. I feel like the yeah. only person who is not having daily communication with the Syrian alien race. Is you? Yeah. You're the only person not talking. To, I've talked to the Syrians the other day. Apparently, because everyone on coast is also talking to them. So, yeah. And it's nice that they, uh, they're they all allowing these humans onto their high councils. Like, it's a very open-minded, very diverse thinking from our alien overlords. It, it really is very inclusionary. I mean, yes. how many smoke-filled rooms have you been invited into, Chris, in the United States? Very few. I've gotten into a couple, though. I don't know if I've been in one. I've been in a couple. Now, the oh, as we've mentioned before, the lack of smoke is sometimes left to be desired. Mm -hmm. But I have been in the rooms where the yep. important decisions were made. Pro- Cigarette podcast is what we do here. That's right. Well, just tobacco in general, however yeah. you want to take it in. Whatever fills the room body. with smoke. That's right. You can, it, you, you can just fill it with a bonfire, smoke everyone out, burn some peyote in the air, whatever works. Blueberry lemon flavored vape. <laughs> Maybe not that. Oh, okay. Maybe we I, I can't do a vape filled room. That's disgusting. Okay. That's not what you want. No, but before we get to any of that, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend, Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim Tam! Today's article, Sasquatch prints found in New York State, question mark? Are we questioning that New York is in fact a state or that we found the Bigfoot footprints? I think we're going to have to read to find out, Chris. Okay, good. From the article, a woman in New York State suspects that a Sasquatch may have been on her property after something in the woods frightened her dog, and then some sizable prints were subsequently discovered in the snow. So it seems as if we're not questioning whether or not New York is in fact a state in the Union. I believe that is correct. Okay, so we're all going to establish throughout this article from Mr. Tim Banal that New York is in fact real. Even though he has presented no evidence. No evidence. None. Of such a statement, but that's okay. That's okay. He usually backs these things up. We'll give him yes. a slide. The intriguing incident, which was shared on the Bigfoot Researchers of Hudson Valley Facebook page, fun Facebook page, everyone should join, occurred earlier this month in the community of Carmel when the witnesses went to take her German Shepherd for a walk. Dude, German Shepherd is a good dog to have in the case you run into a Bigfoot on your random little town walks. 
It's probably the best dog to have if you see a Bigfoot. There's probably better. I would say something bigger, a St. Bernard or a Great Dane. You want something really powerful, maybe a, a pit bull since it, you know, really powerful jaw. But you want something that that is going to bite down on those big old feet, on those big ankles, those tendons, so that you can get away from the Bigfoot. I don't know if a St. Bernard or a uh, Great Dane would be much help. I don't, I don't know if they have strong jaws, but a Shepherd or a Pitbull. Pitbull could sneak in underneath the Bigfoot, dodge the swinging fists, get at the tendons. I think you're right there. Paul, they're all stronger than my jaws. That's fair. I don't know if I would be biting at the Bigfoot, though. That would be a gross bite. It would, indeed. Definitely going to need to clean your mouth out with some kind of Listerine after that bite. Their normally routine nightly stroll, which honestly really pleasant. I, I love that mm -hmm. she takes her dog for a walk every night. Beautiful. Took a strange turn when the pet pooch suddenly froze and tucked his tail between his legs and started whining and indicating that he wanted to go back inside to their house. All right, I'm already disappointed with this German Shepherd. Yeah. Not You're not being a, defensive. Not, not your, uh, let's just say these weren't trained by Germans. This shepherds. this was no Joe Biden German Shepherd who bites no, random people in the White House. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's this is no commander or yeah. whatever his name is. Weak Shepherd, dude. I want a yeah, defensive shepherd. shepherd. I don't want the Shepherd to attack people, but if I see a Bigfoot, I want the Shepherd to help me out. I at least if you make if you smell, you become aggressive and not frightened. Yeah. Would be would be nice. You know, yeah. a little bit more on alert would be preferable to straight up weak knees you know little pee coming out the actually funny story about that my neighbor's dog has a husky or my neighbor has a husky that dog pees every time it sees anyone it is the most beta husky you will ever yeah. find in your life it's hilarious the dog's peculiar behavior was made all the more unsettling by the sounds of branches breaking in the nearby forest which unnerved the woman enough to cut the walk short that night I will say that the that the German Shepherd goes belly up so quickly does make me think that it was more than likely a predator of some sort. If it was like a deer or a possum or a raccoon or something along those lines, I don't think it would have gone belly up. I think the smell must have been so pungent that it knew immediately that it was some kind of predator and maybe that it was scared so quickly that it was a predator that could kick its butt yep yep i i think that's probably true it, it may have known it was outmatched and was like we gotta bail yeah yeah so you know it could be like a cougar or a mountain lion i don't know if those exist in new york state it's not actually in fact a real state tim okay New York is not, in fact, real. So the whole premise of this story is, in fact, a big news lie. Well, big let's, news. Let's find out more. Curious as to what might have caused the weird episode, the witness returned to the area the next day and was shocked to see a large human-like tracks going through her backyard. Dang, dude. We have destroyed the environment so much that big feet have now had to come rummage into suburban backyards. This is this is an unbelievable development for the the future of cryptozoology. If we can all become cryptozoologists in our backyard, Paul, 
Why would I even go and study for four years at the University of Tucson, Arizona? That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, where are the big feet going to go? They're going to have to move into our neighborhoods because we're yes. destroying the land. They have no woods yeah. anymore. We, there's a gigantic wood shortage in this country. No one's talking about it. It's a big problem. Paper keeps getting more expensive. You have heard you, it here first. Have you, seen, have you seen a Bigfoot next door? Call your local animal department today. Fortunately, the woman managed to snap some pictures of the prince, which can be seen below. Responses to her story has largely been mixed, with some suggesting that she merely missed an encounter with Sasquatch, while more skeptical observers argue that the tracks were probably created by a bear. Bear would also would really tie this thing all together because that would be a predator that could kick a dog's butt. And some extensive research that I did on this article, Chris, by which I mean, does Hudson Valley have bears was entered into Google, gave the result that uh, 8,000 bears live in New York and have established populations in regions that include the Hudson Valley. What kind of bears are we talking about? Just black bears or black are we bears. talking about like some big old grizz? Just the black bears, which are, are fairly cute. But it's essentially a big raccoon. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I have an image here for you, Chris, of what the tracks look like. I will say that's pretty bear-like. But also, I can see where she was confused by the humanness of it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not seeing claw marks, particularly in these. And those look more like toes, Paul. So I think our coaster knots are going to have to take a look at this old picture for Mr. Tim Banal. Give him a little web traffic. And let's see. What do the coaster knots think? We got to find out. Uh, we will link in the show notes if you want to see the picture for yourself. I think it's a bear. Chris thinks it's Sasquatch. Someone has to break this tie because there's a reason why Supreme Courts don't have two people on them. It doesn't work. The question becomes, Paul, what kind of Bigfoot are we dealing with here? Extra dimensional? Terrestrial? Extraterrestrial? Yeah, dude. Uh, We're going to have to see here. Paul, till next time, hopefully Tim will update us on whether uh, whether or not Bigfoot is in this small town in New York, which, I again, as I've said, may or may not, in fact, be a real state. We are still not certain. Well, Chris, time for some housekeeping. You can support the show at patreon.com slash coast to coast PM, where you can sign up for as little as $2 a month to keep us on the air, keep our lights on, keep our mics electrified. You can email me at c2cpmpod at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. And you can find Chris on Reddit at r coast to coast pm. Without further ado, let's get to the main topic of today's show. Chris, George Norris interview with Patricia Corey. I want to start off with our friend George's intro of Patricia because I thought it was really nice. Lots of accolades that Patricia has that we can dig into. Big Pat. For more than 25 years, Patricia has channeled a group of discarnate beings known as the Syrian High Council. She and her expert guests discuss thought-provoking topics on her program, Beyond the Matrix, available on her YouTube channel. She's the author of more than a dozen books, the latest including the new Syrian revelations. She lives in the Azores Islands in Portugal, where she believes are the remnants of the ancient continent of Atlantis. Patricia, welcome back. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me on. First of all, big, big shout out that she lives in the Azores. I may now immediately believe anything she says. 
The Azores are incredibly important to Atlantean lore. They are considered to be possibly one of the seats of the old Atlantean kingdom. So uh, this woman may be the prophet. I'm I'm going to say that right now. She could be. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah. I did not realize that. I don't Huge. dig into the Atlantis. You you know. Huge. There's seven um, island chains throughout that Atlantic region, mm -hmm. kind of out there in the mid-Atlantic, that are uh, considered somewhat Atlantean. And funnily enough, they consider all the names to be names of the last dynasty of Atlantean kings. So Az Azores being one of the names of the, the last Atlanteans. My one criticism, though, is is if she is going to be the Messiah, she needs a new podcast name because I am tired of the Matrix being used in crappy conspiracy websites and podcasts. Whoa, it's very annoying. You're throwing around crappy now, and I've already said how much, how highly I think of Big Pat. Here's all I'm going to so. say. Overused trope. We get it. I'm tired of it. Cut it out. It, here's the thing. If she's had this podcast since like 2003 then she's right on the money you know what i mean like it, it, it now you know if this is a 2021 podcast we're talking a little bit different now but if she came out during the i'm gonna give her while the trilogy was happening if she was putting out material that was beyond the matrix then i'm gonna give her the okay I'll have to look into it. My guess is that it wasn't, it didn't become super in vogue. I feel like in the hippie, like weird, right yeah. conspiracy circles until like 2016 ish, but Ooh, I'll, I'll check. I big time disagree with that. I think, I think conspiracy, I think conspiracy and paranormal took the matrix immediately. And this, this lady's flavor of conspiracy. Okay. Of like weird hippie shit. Well, I haven't heard yet so i don't know all right let's get into it well let's first find out how she got into this peaceful environment i'm glad i'm here i'll tell you that for the benefits of the folks that did not hear you the last few times you've been on our program tell us about this relationship with this syrian high council okay so as a child i had like a lot of children i had these little beings that used to speak to me, and um, fortunately, a mother who didn't dismiss it. And I told her one day when I was four years old that I was from a parallel universe. Now, I, that means that was the 50s when I was a child, and that was not language that was being utilized by adults or kids. So to walk into the kitchen and say, I'm from a parallel universe, but you're not ready to understand that yet, and walk out kind of left my mother perplexed. And that was the beginning of my journey. I, I had contact with this level of consciousness that was able to present itself to me because I'm a clairvoyant. So I was able to see these little beings, which I called the little blue people. And later on in life, it, it kept manifesting, only instead of little blue people, I was receiving messages. And it was in 1997 when I, and I was on a spiritual path, unquestionably, because as a clairvoyant, I was doing healing work and all kinds of investigations of spirituality. But in 1997, I was in England doing a chromotherapy course. I had a dream that I was flying over Stonehenge and that I saw this huge spiral in the field next to it. 
And when I woke, I, I heard a voice tell me, pay attention, this is a lock-on point for interdimensional contact, and it's going to be very important. A lot there, Paul, a lot there. First thoughts, tops that thought that came first to my head while I'm sitting here listening to her. And this is actually probably going to be a little bit deeper than you anticipated on going. But I'm sitting here and wondering, you know, the general conception, the general lore throughout, especially paranormal mythos, right? Is that children, because, or, you know, whatever, pick your X reason why, but children have a closer connection to the paranormal world for whatever X reason, right? They're, they have less trash that is infused. Their pineal gland hasn't been calcified, whatever it is, right? that they have a more direct line which allows them to penetrate the realm of ghosts or next dimensions or, again, X, choose your thing, right? Choose whatever thing that is that is getting you off today, right? But for whatever reason, kids can penetrate it just a little bit easier. What if you did have a parent, right? And let's just say the theory is correct that children do have this ability, can see things that are in fact there, but we can't see them as adults, again, for whatever X reason. And you did have a parent that was like, no, 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 let's develop this. What else are you seeing? What are they telling you? What else, like... You could kind of develop a, a a child that is infused with what I'm going to call a sixth sense. Because in our general enlightenment world, we've been told that this is crap, right? This is BS science. But a part of me really does believe that it is our we have been so far removed from nature that our ability to pe penetrate what we call magic has been destroyed. What if you had somebody who developed that magic for you, right? Developed that sense, whatever it may be. And for her, it just happened to be like, I didn't, I don't really remember as a kid being like, I've seen you know, another person or whatever that wasn't there. And everybody's like, that's crazy. That didn't happen to me. So that wasn't my thing. And that's cool. But some people that is going to be their thing. And like, maybe there are kids who saw things, who do see things and they brought it to their parents and their parents are like, we got to get this kid to a psychiatrist. I think Patricia would probably agree with that statement that one of the reasons why she is, a clairvoyant is because it was nursed from a young age. Um, I always liked the idea, and this may be my own headcanon. I don't know if anyone else says this, that the reason why children are better at seeing things is because they are closer to the pond of souls. Right. Because they are fresher. You right. know, they haven't been on this planet and covered their brain in mud. They, they're more recent in terms yeah. of uh, being connected to, to outside our bodies. But uh, that's just a fun little lore I have in my head. That's good, dude. It's all good theory. I, but again, like I said, the, the, the whatever reason, it doesn't matter, right? The lore is generally children have a better connection. Well, let's and find out more. 
yeah, and, and I'm just saying if that is the case, what if we developed that? Maybe that's the problem is my parents did not, our parents did not properly develop my ability to talk to aliens. And that's why I can't talk to aliens and I've never seen a ghost, mom and dad. And this is why I don't second guess at all that there isn't actually a barracks of psychics somewhere working for the CIA. I mean, they've had them before. We know That's what that. I'm saying. <laughs> oh, we just stopped that in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just stopped that. Like there aren't Ronnie Reagans anymore being like, I wonder what the astrologer has to say in government today. Yeah, right, dude. They're even more insane now than they were in the 80s. I, I honestly think that it probably does still exist for no other reason that they need to put money somewhere. Uh, they they have a trillion dollar budget. Where are you going to dump that? You give it to some psychics. If, if you don't psychics. spend it, you lose it. Yeah. And here's the thing. What's the what's the worst ideas they could come up with? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Without the psychics, they do an awful job. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, they may do better with psychics. Their odds better. may be improved. <laughs> we may want to. We may want to try a monkey throwing a dart <laughs> at a dartboard. Because that would be better than what we have right now. The octopus that was calling the FIFA World Cup games, I Ooh. think, would give us better odds. Um, but, Chris, we got to get back to Patricia, right? Because yeah, she's talking cat. about little blue people who are coming and talking to her. Yeah. So, Which classic I question. I don't think the Syrians were little blue people, but maybe I'm mistaken on that count. Have you talked to them lately? I have. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. You're right. You're right. All right, then. You're right. Check I'll, yourself. I should. Let's let's find out why they care about us. Why are they talking to Patricia? Would you say, Patricia, that they have a interest in our future? Yes. Well, there is a connection between Sirius and Earth, which has to do, we, we talked about it before, the great experiment. Some people know about this and talk about the fact that we are star seeds. We are not indigenous to the Earth and that a group of highly developed uh, beings from other planets and other dimensions got together and decided to seed a genetically designed species, Homo sapiens, that was designed to be a 12-stranded, highly, highly Christed civilization of beings. And uh, that went awry uh, for reasons that have to do with interference energetically. But um, that's one of the reasons why the Syrians are so connected to us as a species because they were involved, they were the organizers of such an experiment. Now, I appreciate the word Christed. I feel like yeah, I haven't heard that. a past tense no, verb on it is nice. I, I didn't, I prefer my Christ-like figures, but yeah. to be Christed, that works too. Sure. We'll give it to you. <laughs> hey, whatever. So I do, I do lean more towards her way of thinking that humanity can in fact imbue itself with universal concepts that I believe a thinking sentient creature must one day infuse itself with to be a successful species. We haven't quite gotten there yet, but we're learning, right? Nobody said we were a smart sentient species. We, it takes us a while to figure things out. 
but we're doing okay. We're not doing terrible. You know, things are bad sometimes and they could be better, but it's okay, right? But what worries me at the end of the day, Paul, is that what if our sentience was essentially more like a mind virus? And like, we are in fact a, a contagion on the earth. We, we've been infused in a weird way through evolutionary techniques to be a destructive force that is meant to destroy the earth. What if, what if I'm trying to fight my nature? What if I'm supposed to destroy this thing? And so I get worried sometimes that like, yeah, we aren't actually natural. It is not natural for humanity to be able to contemplate its own destruction. No other species can do that. This is a bad thing that we can do. And so that it's it's the opposite of Christed, right? We're in factually anti-Christed. The whole of our species is the Antichrist. Yes. 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 That's exactly well, what I'm saying. It's an incredibly negative way of looking at it, uh, but certainly a way to look at it. The problem is we have no other examples of other yeah. planets and species, so we don't know if we're doing a good job or a terrible job. Maybe we're doing great, legitimately. Maybe we're doing awesome. I mean, we've had nukes for 90 years. Maybe that is like the standard of like, man, if you make it past 10 years with nukes, you're golden. Who knows? We got to be know. average. We got to be average. I don't know. I mean, and if I'm putting money on it, monkeys were pretty good. That was a pretty good starting point. But like... <laughs> Probably we could have probably done better. We probably could have done a little bit better than monkeys. If, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say we're like 25th to 50th percentile with 100 yeah. being the best. Right. I, I don't think we're the worst. No. But I don't, I don't think we're great. But I'm basing that off just pure vibes. I'm middling. And, you know, it's funny. One of the things that, like, I think it was Carl Sagan gave us was music. He was like, our music is just going to be so phenomenal. I'm like, you're telling me nobody else is making music in the universe? That just sounds bonkers to me. Because, like, almost anybody is going to have to make noise somehow. Like, that is going to be a relatively far-reaching response to environment is to be able to hear. Because... You need air, or we think you need air or some kind of substance, right? Unless you're like a fish being, but even fish have ears. So I think everyone's going to have ears and everyone's going to make some type of music. Even the whales, they're under the water. They make music. They make beautiful songs that they pass on to each other. Like everything is going to make music. That is, that is most possibly accurate especially because music is basically just mathematics and mathematics are what hold the universe together is what i read once 
But we have to find out more about the Syrians, Chris. Because I was gonna say, not... if you're trying to make this lady sound crazy to me, Paul, you're doing a bad job because right now we are upholding her universal look on everything down to the little blue men. All right, simmer Syrians. down. Let's find out more. We've listened to like two clips so far. Okay. Let's find out how she talks to these Syrians. Are you in contact with them, Patricia, at will, or does it just happen once in a while? Well, I've never sat down and meditated and asked personal information. I, I know that I'm a, a tool to be used when they feel there's something they want to communicate. So I've never just, like said, I need to talk to you. <laughs> but usually I get a, a, a wake-up call at 4 in the morning, and it sounds like energy or crackling. And uh, then I sit down and out comes the information. Is there one extraterrestrial that contacts you or many? It's it's many. She goes on a long-winded answer, but it's basically just vibes. She wakes up and just has vibes. Georgie took his Wheaties. That was a great question to start with. And, you know, we can almost kind of, she had to think about it. How should I answer this question? Which mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. She takes a few seconds to answer it. Mm -hmm. Which I kind of liked. Um, and I was like, Georgie, Porgie! How do I relay this information to your tiny, non-Syrian talking right. to minds? Yeah, exactly. How would you understand and contemplate? Yeah, and I like the crackle. I like to think that we, we're still like, the technology, even though it's so advanced that even over such long distances like we still have a little bit of crackle mm -hmm. you're never going to get rid of the long distance crackle even when you're talking about light years yeah the syrian cell reception is still pretty mediocre yeah yeah i love the crackle dude that was a nice little bit and I feel like she did it just for me, dude. I, I, there can't have been too many people that loved the crackle. I love the crackle. And I, I'm going to add that to the mind lore now. Whenever long distance communications happen over light years, and I'm going to make it like a certain amount of light years, right? Like within 50 light years, you're going to have perfect reception. But you start getting into 55, 60, you're going to start getting that crackle, baby. You you hit 200, man, I can barely hear you. What do you think the dead spots are like in the universe? Do you think it's like when you get around a black hole and you're like, sorry, babe, getting close to a black <laughs> hole is going to cut out for a while. Uh, I'll talk to you in like 70 light years. It's possible. It's possible. It happened in Interstellar. Yeah. You lose so. those comms, dude. Those comms around, which again, awesome. That is like, this is what makes science fiction and this ideation so beautiful, so wonderful. So how would you deal with this problem? And if you can't deal with the problem, that's awesome because that adds to the story. We can't communicate when you go near a black hole. Oh, snap. We're out of communications. What kind of crazy things going to happen? I love it, dude. I love it. Here for the lore, apparently. Well, let's start getting into different dimensions because she's very into like 4D, 5D reality, getting into the different Ds, you know, and it's how you like elevate all that stuff. So let's let's uh, chat a little bit about 4D. 
are we playing chess in these dimensions i have no idea what happens there honestly i still don't understand the difference between 4d 5d and 60 to all these folks besides like i think when you get to like 60 you're just light there's a light beam i thought it was just levels of chess we were playing 6d chess could be it could be let's find out you talk about the dimensions that we're in right now and that we're in a crossing of maybe moving into another dimension. What's happening there? The Syrians say that we we still can't perceive 4D because we're bound in our conscious awareness to the, the idea of 3D, but that we are now moving into a four-dimensional awareness, and that involves... Uh, First of all, a huge shift in time, time awareness. They say that the space-time continuum is dissolving in this dimension and that the first way that we will recognize that we're in this shift is that we're starting to perceive how time is mutating. And that is absolutely true. There's not a person that I talk to that isn't experiencing a feeling that time is disappearing even the farmers here on this island, simple people here, are talking about the cows are reacting differently, They're, they, hmm. the day is shorter, the weeks are shorter, et cetera. And the council say that 4D is where we lose a, our perception of linear time. I just don't know if that's how it would work. For me in the in the my conceptualization in the in the internal lore the head cannon i more conceptualize it as it will be a technological slash evolutionarily evolutionary change that would bring us into next dimensional creatures like it, it wouldn't be just like something that happened in the environment like she's saying i, I think she's trying to go with the this is why things are so crazy and why you are feeling discombobulated is because the space continuum in the fourth dimension is breaking down. But with that breakdown, we get fifth dimensional, you know, and, and it's like, mm, I don't know if that's how it would work. Oh, I can almost guarantee you that's not how it would work. I have no idea what that means for the space time continuum to break down. And then like that results in, Time seems kind of weird. I'm like, no, that's the fabric of our reality. Yeah. It would become undone. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if the fabric is fraying, we wouldn't know it because we'd already be dead. Yeah, there's no way that the only result of the space-time continuum breaking is us feeling like things are kind of shorter and the days aren't as long as they used to be. Yeah. Yeah, where the cows are acting weird. I don't buy that the cows are acting slightly weird. Well, and I think what's happening there is technology making the day feel shorter to Mm -hmm. a to a farmer now who has access to the internet, has a smartphone, is digitizing everything, has drones flying all around, like the actual way that a day feels probably does feel shorter as compared to the old farts that never did that. It's actually a great point because, I mean, I've been to rural villages in the middle of nowhere in East Africa and everyone there has a cell phone. 
They right. don't even have electricity. They have a little solar panel they charge it off of. Yep. Like, everyone's plugged in now. Well, and when you had no conception of the time of day, and all you had was, like, the sun or a central main clock that everyone used, like, my conception of the day would be completely different than... I can check every 10 minutes on what time it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say, for argument's sake, that the fourth dimension is breaking down, Chris. Okay. Let's find out what's going on in the fifth dimension. Because that's where we want to get to. We're trying to move up dimensions. Yeah. What if I'm trying to go lower? What if I'm thinking this whole time thing is kind of not a whole lot of fun? Maybe I'm trying to need to go down into the third dimension. You need to drink more tap water to I, I really gunk up your pineal gland. I, I need to get even more calcium on yes. this pineal gland. Okay. Most definitely. Okay, got it. 5D, in my humble understanding, is where you lose physicality completely. So that uh, you've slipped past the time barrier, and now you're in a state of simultaneous reality where you are experiencing yourself still, uh, let's say like spirits still present themselves as their former physical self. You still have a conscious awareness of yourself as a physical being, but you're no longer holding that dense vibrational field and are starting to turn into light beings. Amazing work, amazing. I don't even know what the heck she's, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that next dimensional creatures will not have temporal bodies? I don't really see why they wouldn't. Um, it, I don't really understand. Because, like, matter is light, right? Light is matter. That's what equals MC squared. I'm no physicist, but there's no possible way in my understanding of physics that for some reason energy in the form of light would exist, but matter wouldn't exist. I don't get why right. that would be the case. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is incredibly well thought through. And this is what kind of annoys me about these people is that like, they just throw out sciency words like vibrations yeah. and dimensions without actually yeah. seeming to understand or giving me a reason to believe what they're saying. They're just saying fun words. Right, right, yeah. It's definitely very woo-woo, like a very woo-woo conceptualization. Yeah. Without really thinking about... I mean, it's it, it's funny because it's almost borderline flat earth or hollow earth or something like that, right? And that it's... They need science to describe the things in which they want to describe, Right. But they don't actually understand the implications of what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's just like, well, I know there's multiple dimensions. And so I can kind of make up this thing, you know, because like, things feel off. And it's like, well, it's because space time, which again, is something we all have heard, right? We've all watched, you know, some kind of a brief history of time with Stephen Hawking or, you know, something with Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Where it's like the space-time fabric. And, you know, they do the the bowling ball on the trampoline and it's like, this is what space-time <laughs> looks like if you can conceptualize it. And then what if you had a really heavy ball and the trampoline goes down and down? And it's like, she hasn't watched that. 
She just heard somewhere space time and dimensions, and she's like, "Oh, I can play with this." Yeah, yeah. And 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 doesn't didn't take the next step. What's the next thing in the science? We can be woo-woo still and actually use what we are seeing in the real world. I can do it all day. All the, everything I've said has been woo-woo in a in a conceptualized sphere that allows for real intrinsic facts that we have learned since the conceptual and since the birth of humanity, right? Like we have learned things as a species. We have conceptualized real facts about the world that we live in. We can use those. Those are fine to use. And you can make a better world, a better idea of what it is that we are all trying to get at, right? This kind of spirituality, this kind of religiosity that we all are desperately striving for. But when you make it insane and don't connect it to anything in the real world, I feel like you're doing a disservice. Well, I think that would take some sort of effort. And what she's doing is waking up at 4 a.m. and writing shit down. Right. Which doesn't take a lot of effort. <laughs> and there's and there's nothing to say that that isn't a good thing to do. Like, there are ancestors before the advent of electricity would go to bed at like 8 p.m. And then they would sleep until like 1 a.m. And then they would wake up and then they would write and they would journal. They would write letters. They would meditate or pray. They would, you know, do little things like that, intellectual pursuits in which they could, again, you know, some of them probably were reading or whatever it is. And then they would go back to sleep and then they wake up at dawn. And so there is something about waking up in the early morning and the way our brain works and like the, the, the vibrations of thousands upon thousands of years the way things have worked and they have literally only changed in the last hundred years. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, I, I actually, I have, uh, really bad dreams a lot. It's probably from the constant, uh, ingestion of horror movies that I'll actually write short stories about my nightmares. And I think it's kind of fun. I actually get really cool ideas from my dreams to write short stories about, um, and I, I have a ton of them written down just because I, I genuinely enjoy doing it. It's not even like I need to process it. It's just like I'm scared out of my mind. I wake up and I'm like, damn, that would make a really cool story. That was kind of frightening. Well, <laughs> so like, sure you get good ideas early in the morning. It's a type of catharsis. And we are able, and again, talking about the woo-woo, right? I think in the darkness... We are able to penetrate a realm of creativity that is not that we are not able to penetrate in the daytime for whatever reason. And it probably has to do with the lack of light forcing our brain to imagine what is out in the darkness. And again, this is th that is the thing that makes us different than all other species, right? And and I wish 
that people like this would kind of like just go just i mean she just needs to scratch the search she's so close on so many of these ideas i mean the christed figures like that is not bad it's pretty good but let's go just a couple levels down a little bit more read a little bit broader and and listen to you know the ideas of other people's not in your circle because she is she's relatively close some of the ideas are a little bonkers but like some of them are pretty sound and like she's again she's on the way to being directionally right well let's let's get more into it chris because we haven't even gotten to the sixth dimension yet so let's find out what the sixth dimension is you talk about the sixth dimension that they are from patricia explain what that is well, with each dimension, as we move further up, if you want to call it up, the ladder of, of dimensional uh, evolution or existence, I uh, perceive this as the further high, further you, you go up. I'm trying not to use the word up because that's a spatial relationship that may not define it, but you get my point. Um, the more, the less dense it becomes. So 3D is pretty dense, 4D is less dense. 50, by the time you get to the 6D, there is no form. There is only consciousness. And that is the case with the Syrian High Council, who are uh, beings without form. They're bowls of light, as, as I experience them, at least. But, you know, it's pretty hard to define it since I'm still in 3D. See, this is where I think she could have something a bit more fun. Yeah. Because to she's take this close, back. Dude, she's close. Well, she's so close to, to having something fun, but I feel like she's missing yeah. the mark. Going yeah. back to our Professor Masters episode where we talked about block time, right? Where right. if you were to able to be in the fifth dimension looking at the fourth dimension, then time is like your space and you see everything that occurs all at the same time. Right. People are in their superposition of everywhere they've been and everywhere they ever will be. Then from the fifth dimension, those are like godlike creatures. So make the fifth dimension where the Syrians are and they're godlike in their ability to see everything all at once. I don't know why she's adding more dimensions in. We have too many dimensions. We need to trim this down. More yeah. is less. No, less is more. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, and my question then becomes why stop at six? Why is six the highest dimension like i i think string theory goes from anywhere from like 11 to 21 dimensions so it's like just use string theory say there's 21 dimensions and the 21st dimension is the highest like i i just once you start getting into this stuff i start not to care because it's like well the syrian ball of lights are in the sixth dimension and they're looking down at us in our fourth dimension. And it's like, I just, it's like, well, I don't want to think about it as, as up because that's directionally. And we can't really think about it directionally. And it's less, the, the medium becomes less and more dense the way you go up and down. It's like, dude, why do I need to care? What does it even matter? I just love the idea that the difference in dimensions is matter density. Like that's the that's the difference that we're getting at. It's just you're less dense. I'm gonna be honest. Kind of liked it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Well, Chris, do you want me to get to a caller clip that may get us in trouble with YouTube? Yeah. All right. It is 
about the vaccine? Yeah, I'm wondering about the population, the masses, uh, the scientific effect of the the jabby jabs, I won't, I'll call them that. Um, People are, uh, they go through their lives, plan their days like usual, but they don't seem to feel they don't seem to have compassion. It seems like since uh, this happened with uh, the pandemic, whatever, the people seem to be all hooked up to some cloud mentality, and uh, they seem to be more robotic, like they're not uh, the organic life forms that we used to have around us in the populations. And I think that's why there's all this violence and horrible uh, corruption and attacking each other. I think they're somehow their DNA's already been changed. I think probably most of the population is lost. What do you think of that, Patricia? Are we lost? Well, I'll tell you what. I love Linda uh, to read my book, Hacking the God Code, Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul, which, where I delve into this in, in detail. Came out last I, year. Yeah. I do believe this is a little bit dangerous to discuss because uh, people seem to be disappearing when they dare to do that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That was an absolutely perfect phone call, Paul. I didn't see (laughs) one problem with it whatsoever. The perfect phone call. Are you doing ASMR now? Is that what's happening? I'm trying to do like a Donald Trump type thing. Where oh, is that perfect? (laughs) It came off ASMR. Um, The jabby jab. First off, love that nickname, jab, dude. And I want to be honest. I think she's right. Most of us aren't going to make it. Well, you know what I think she's right about is that everything sucks and yeah, everyone's sure. miserable. Yeah. I, I think she's attributing it to a yeah. silly thing, which is the jab connected us to the cloud. I don't think that's what's the problem. I don't think we need the jab to do that. I think we have phones that have us constantly plugged into the cloud and is are melting our brains. Um, and podcasts like us that are destroying America. But yeah. apart from that, like, I don't know that that this is I, I think this is what you get to with the directionally right thing where it's like, yeah, everything does suck yeah. and everyone is miserable. But what's right. the ultimate cause of that? Probably late stage capitalism. I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, right. But she's not again. She's directionally right. It was the COVID jab, too. <laughs> it was mostly the COVID jab. It was the jab too. It's mostly so, the jab I mean, rewriting our DNA. Yeah. Yeah. It, so uh, nothing wrong there, but make sure you buy Big Pat's book. Um, and this is also going to get taken off YouTube this. for sure. Because it's dangerous. It's too, it, We might have someone come after us. We're so dangerous. Guess what, dude? Pfizer sucks. Guess what, dude? They suck. They do suck. I will... This is an anti-Pfizer podcast. I'm fine with taking that stance. Was, uh, Johnson and Johnson, they suck too, dude. They all suck. You know what doesn't suck though, Chris? 
this Antarctica. Next clip. Oh, Antarctica, which is the, the focus of this next clip. Okay, perfect. Uh, on TV, they were showing like these alien bases that are in Antarctica and where they people have stumbled across them. And I'm wondering, the governments have to know that they're there because these countries, nobody claims Antarctica. Nobody tries to go there or take it over. And I'm wondering if they know that that's kind of an off-limit thing because there's aliens there. Take that one first, Patricia. Have they ever talked about Antarctica? Yes. We pretty much know that Antarctica is a off-limits to only the, I mean, we've had some governments like Kerry, some representatives be called down there. But basically, it is the greatest mystery on Earth is why this is off-limits to all people and, and most government representatives. And it it does ring true to me that there are bases there. We know that there, or we've told that there, the Germans occupied that area, the Nazis, years ago. And unquestionably, it is a great um, subterfuge for whatever is being hidden from the human race. Technology, we know there are pyramids there. We know that there are hot waters under the ice. So whatever is being hidden from us in Antarctica I think is coming to surface soon. It won't. They won't be able to hide it. You know, it's surfing out of Antarctica. Uh, diseases, terrible spores that are going to probably kill us. Yeah, that's fair. Because nobody's seen them in one hundred and fifty thousand years. That's probably fair. That's how so, the world ends. Yeah. So I mean, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, there's, listen, there is always space in the head canon and the internal lore for Antarctica. Always. Like, what's going down on that giant, giant landmass in which they don't really give us a whole lot of information about? Anything! Anything to be down there! And until somebody gives me a definitive answer, I'm going to say... That was, that Antarctica was Atlantis. And because of like magnetic fields and polar, you know, polar polarities and all kinds of other science words, time space continuums, it got shot down to the bottom of the earth and was covered in ice. And all the beautiful creation of Atlantis was destroyed from humanity forever. And until somebody says, Chris, that's definitely not what happened. There's going to be space for that belief in there, Paul. Well, as long as there's room. I mostly just like it because of H.P. Lovecraft's Beyond the Mountains of Madness uh, made me a big... Antarctica fan. It's about Antarctica and the alien creatures that live there and their giant cities that are hidden um, by ice walls. Until somebody tells me that it doesn't exist, it exists. It's yeah. the it's the Schrodinger's cat of continents. You could whatever you tell me that there is a portal to the hollow earth, Paul. I will believe it until told otherwise. Antarctica is an enigma that I don't understand. And until somebody helps me understand it better, 
I'm going to keep believing this crazy crap. Yep. And Admiral Bird met giants down there, um, which Why sounds like it would have been a great time for him. Why, Why? not? Why not? Paul, yes, nobody and. else is telling me that Antarctica doesn't have giants. I haven't read that anywhere. <laughs> Not one place have we seen that. Um, well, Chris, let's wrap it up there. On a scale of one to five, sixth dimensional Syrian balls of light, what do you give our girl Patricia Corey? This is going to be a tough one for me because I think we really got to talk about some pretty intricate lore I think we went deeper into the lore than Big Pat goes into the lore. But I appreciate she was the vehicle in which we got there. So I'm going to give her a three and a half for that case because we got to talk about some cool stuff, dude. And really got to push like the kind of theoretical limits of our headcanon. And I always like doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give her one because I... <laughs> really don't like the dimensional shit it drives me crazy it's all the syrian council and stuff like the and this is the thing they don't actually need it but maybe they do i don't think we know the coast to coast am crowd as well as these people do or else we would be doing so much better than we are doing who knows who knows chris but uh, that'll be today's episode. We'll be back with more next week. In the meantime, you can support us at patreon.com slash coast to coast PM. Uh, we'll see you all again soon. All conspiracy, all the time. Later. <laughs>